0: Today, we're going to talk about complex trauma, what it is, and how to deal with it. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce.
1: Dr. Wise, complex trauma is different than everyday run of the mill trauma. Yes. What's the difference?
0: Yeah, complex trauma is trauma that one has experienced many times over extended periods. Do you know like like the way I describe it as a bruise, right? Like instead of having getting hit once and being bruised, there's multiple bruises in that area.
1: So tell us how that manifests itself. What what are the conditions surrounding that?
0: Yeah, so if you can imagine that bruise idea, what it what it looks like is a very deeply embedded wound, something that has occurred over time and really rooted itself deeply into that person because of the over and over and over exposure of pain.
1: And can that be both emotional and physical?
0: Yes, it could be emotional. It could be physical. Uh, it could and it could be alone, or it could show up in relationship.
1: So that we understand it more clearly, because this is the first time I've heard uh, the term complex trauma. G- give us some examples of that.
0: Yeah, an example, let's talk about, um, I don't know, like, what what I just, oh my God, the term is um, being rejected. Let's look at being rejected. And as much as that seems like, oh, so you get rejected once, you know, but imagine if you're rejected by your primary caregiver, your mother, father, or what, you know, you're, you're given away or you're not cared for, right? You're rejected. You're not wanted. That child knows that. So they come into the world as very little, small beings, not feeling wanted. And then they go to school and the teacher in front of everybody rejects them, their intelligence, their whatever it is they feel dejected because of that. This is a familiar feeling. And then later in life, they go out to date and they feel over and over and over rejected, right, by by the person or somebody that they're attracted to. Now you can see where this person avoids and fears rejection. It's, it is traumatic to them because putting themselves out there brings them all the way back to the original pain and every time they felt rejected since. And that's that's a little one. Obviously, there are so much more tra- traumatic experiences in our life, right? But, but you could see we're being rejected over time, over and over, could cause somebody to not want to put themselves out there in the world.
1: Uh, what about some physical examples of that?
0: Of the, imagine if you were, as that baby... Um, you know, you had a head injury. You, your, you know, father let you fall off the table when you were standing there. You had a head injury. Then you had a head injury in middle school on the playground. And then you played a sport and got another head injury. And then as an adult, you were in a car accident and had another head injury. You can imagine then how your brain, what your brain has gone through, the trauma that's occurred to your brain. And we know that over time, that those things cause l- l- forever you know um, uh, trauma
1: so to make it clear again how then would you define just simple trauma
0: Trauma is something that one has experienced that is profoundly impactful to them so it could be traumatic to your body you know I I had a traumatic brain injury that, will be with me forever, or I, you know, w- was abused by my partner, and that will forever be with me.
1: So you're talking about a one-off as opposed yes. to a whole series of of these things occurring throughout one's life.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So when does it become complex? Second time? Third time?
0: That's very, that's a great question. So it really depends on the individual, but it's usually ex- you know, extended amounts of trauma. So if, if for instance, I had a client who uh, was around her mom when she had a heart attack, when she was a little girl. And so that loss and abandonment, right, and watching your primary caregiver pass away is very traumatic. The fear of loss over time is there, and then all of a sudden something happens, their dog dies, and then something happens where they lose their partner to cancer or something. You can see that over time, that amount of trauma begins to stick with that partner, with that person.
1: Is the effect on a person uh, widely different, depending on whether it's trauma or complex trauma, or does it again, manifest itself the same sort of fashion.
0: Yeah. So yes, it does. It's if you imagine one time that you put your hand on the stove and you burn yourself, right? You're like, Oh, you learn your lesson for life. But if you are somebody who has every time you put your hand on that stove, you get a burn over time. You will absolutely want to avoid anything hot that would resemble or trigger that. You you begin to think that the world is unsafe when it comes to that, instead of it being there was a one-time thing.
1: So how does this corrupt one's life or relationship? How does it affect uh, you and, and the world around you?
0: Yeah, because over time, they avoid, understandably so, avoid at all costs the feared experience, you know, and and go through great measures to avoid that feared thing. So imagine if you're somebody that feared commitment because you had always been abandoned in the world, how that would impact all of the people that you dated, but then you left because you were afraid of commitment and your ability to have, you know, a a relationship or marriage or kids or and how that impacts your family and you and everybody around you but really more so yes how it affects them but the people that are trying to get close to them
1: if so if you have experienced complex trauma it, it that trauma has dramatically altered your very being you're yes. you're you're becoming a very different person than the person you thought you'd like to be at, at at some point.
0: Yes, it absolutely alters you, and you know. And we used to think that once those things happened, it was like you know carving into a stone. Now we know that our brains can heal, right? Neuroplasticity, brain plasticity, where we can actually create new neural pathways after trauma, to sort of reformulate how that pain now sits with us. So the example I give, you know, two women, if you think about two women, both have been raped, one who goes off into their world and, you know, gains 200 pounds and hides with her cats and shelters herself from ever being hurt in that way again, violated in that way again, um, and how that impacts what her life looks like. And the other one deciding she's going to you know, brings some power to it and stands up on a stage and becomes an advocate for women and uses her voice and uses that pain for something that will fuel and empower her. She now has a different story about that rape experience. Like both women explain the same experience, but the story is altered and one has power and one has the power to disrupt or destroy.
1: If you're in a relationship uh, with someone who has experienced complex trauma um, it, at, at some point that person will become different than the one you married yep. or or began the relationship with how do you handle that as a as a partner when you see that that transformation occurring
0: yeah it's very it's it's very painful and it's very real right because we go through things in life illnesses injuries, emotional, we lose people. So yes, we go through things and we watch our partners go through things. And, you know, watching your partner slowly retreat or shrink is one of the most painful experiences a person could ever live with. It really is. It's almost like watching yourself lose the person you love. And so being a part of their healing, being a an invitation for them to Evolve or grow or do something powerful with it, rather than buying and feeding into just the loss. Right. So, if I mean, and it's hard because we enable each other. Right. We want to be like, oh, but this happened to her, so I have to be, you know, I have to, you know, be cautious with that topic now. Instead, loving that person enough that you're you're seeing for them as they slip away. You're seeing where they're going and supporting them and not slipping away that way.
1: All of us go through some sort of trauma in life, complex yeah. or or otherwise. Um, so why are we devoting an entire episode to this?
0: Yeah, it's hugely important because how it impacts us in our lives, how it impacts our relationships is so substantial. And we don't we don't pay attention to it enough. You know, we're we're pretty, yes, it was traumatic, but so-and-so had it worse. Or my trauma was bad, but boy, hers is really bad. The reality is, is that in our world, looking out our eyeballs, it's real and it's valid. And we need to honor it and treat it with the respect that it deserves so that we can choose how to give it power or not give it power. Do You know, if we pretend... Then it just gets lost and shoved away, but it's still there.
1: Um, Is it fixable? Yes. How so?
0: Yes, it's fixable because we know, like I said, that our brains have the ability to create new neural pathways. So can we change what happened to us? No, unfortunately, we cannot. But can we do something with it that moves us maybe in a totally different direction. Do you know, uh, uh, I, I read a story once where this gentleman was this, you know, high powered athlete and ended up losing his vision and thought his whole world was destroyed and instead opened up all of these centers for the visually impaired and how to bring athletics to them. So yes, sometimes our journey takes us in a totally different direction. The ability to pivot, and say, okay, this is now the direction that my journey is going to go. And and again, it doesn't mean that we have to negate that that happened to us. As a matter of fact, it's powerful that it happened to us. But being a voice to our own experiences is really important.
1: Let's talk about the difference um, of this occurring, both from an individual point of view and from a, a couple's point of view. An individual comes into your office and says, Dr. Christie, Um, I have complex trauma. No, that never happens. They don't know that term. They don't understand it. How are they expressing that to you?
0: Um, It's, it's showing up in their, their angst. Like, you know, I, I can't, I can't leave my house. I can't, I'm having a hard time going to work. I'm having a hard time. I know I should be social, but I don't want to be out there. Do you know, there's, it shows up in your lives in the things that you're hurting about, that you're or you're longing for or you're angsting about
1: fixing an emotional scar is far more difficult than a cut on your finger yes. healing. Uh, it's a long-term proposition. So tell me what what happens in your office when you're counseling people
0: so when i'm when I'm working with them, we go through that wound, first of all, it needs to be honored, recognized, identified, all of that. So I'm coaching them through why it's okay to lean in instead of away. You know, we have this idea of running from the thing, avoiding the thing. And uh, I think it was Carl Jung who said, that which you resist persists. And it's very true. It It is very hard. It's almost like running into a burning building instead of away from a burning building. We are so afraid to lean into that thing that hurts so much. The problem is is that the longer we wait to do it, the more power it gets and the deeper it gets.
1: At some point, you have to tell them how. You need to give them that instruction manual. What, yeah. What does that manual read like?
0: Yeah, so what it looks like is and it's easier said than done. I realize this. We're human beings and logically we know we should do something and then emotionally something else happens. So what it is, is to say, I'm going to look at just one thing, one angst. Mm, I'm afraid of commitment. One angst. That's a pretty big one, by the way. I'm afraid of commitment because it hurts or because of this or whatever it is. And how does it show up in my life? It could actually even be a list. I fear a rejection. How does it show up? I avoid relationships, I avoid close friendships. How does it how does it show up in your life? How do you want it to show up in your life? And then we're gonna take one tiny little action that is so uncomfortable and feels like the opposite of what we wanna do, it's almost like desensitizing ourselves. I'm going to mm, expose myself to closeness with one good friend Mm. once a week, you know, tiny, tiny little things. It's kind of like the compound effect. One little thing, that ripple effect is massive and we have to start somewhere. The problem is people are wanting to just go from A to Z. I just want to be okay with commitment instead of being willing to take the steps to get there.
1: Does it ever reach a point where it's gone so far that you can't come back from it?
0: Mm. For some people. For some people, it's, it's so far and it's so deep, it feels unreachable. Unreachable. I believe it can be reached. I do. And it doesn't matter what age or who you are. It is completely about the desire and the drive. It does, You don't have to know how. You just have to want to.
1: Let's talk about couples then. Um, When couples come to you and and one or maybe both um, have had this trauma, this ongoing trauma. They may not use the word trauma when they walk into your office, but again, they're explaining their situation. What does that sound like?
0: It sounds like they're very similar, even if they're dressed up in different outfits, right? Because oftentimes we're attracted to people who are similar to us in some ways. Um, So it's like I'm dealing with my stuff, you're dealing with your stuff, and it's causing us to have our stuff. So how do we do that? It's almost like I'm going to have a relationship with your wound I'm going to have you have a relationship with my wound, and then we're going to use them in a way that helps and heals the relationship. It's, it's very difficult to separate ourselves from our wound and their wound, and we all have them. But it, if we don't, if we don't embrace their wounds, then we're actually trying to swim up the river.
1: How can I, as a partner, help my significant other, who is going through this, what, what what are the steps I should take?
0: The steps you should take are um, the acknowledgement, the willingness, the desire, and the request to be coached by your partner. So if your partner says to you, you know, I'm, I'm terrified of the dark, and every time you turn off the light before I, you know, go to bed or get into the bed, I feel like you don't care about me and you've been making fun of me for being afraid of the dark for 15 years, right? So now all of a sudden, I'm asking you to lean into my wound. I want you to recognize that as silly as it sounds, as illogical as it sounds, this trauma happened to me as a child and I'm uncomfortable in the dark. Now, love me enough to not turn the light off, or as a matter of fact, when we come into the house, you step in before me and turn the lights on because you know me and you love me enough to embrace some of the things I've been through in my life.
1: Does that cure it? I mean, it sounds to me like you're just treating symptoms at that point. You have to really get to the heart of the matter to make this permanent, do you not?
0: Yes, you do. And, and for the example of the dark, by the way, is somebody who, yes, has had that injury, locked in the dark, left in the dark, whatever it is, and how it shows up, that abandonment. It shows up in a physiological experience when the lights are turned off. So can we work through those physiological experiences? Absolutely, and we should, right? And in the meantime, having it honored by your partner that you know that you're safe in that environment is a massive first step.
1: I know it must be different with each person you see, but is is there some sort of average length of time that it takes for a person to get past all of this and begin to lead a more normal life?
0: It's It's really not because we are different, but I am going to tell you, as odd as this sounds, very highly intellectual people often struggle much more with it than people who are very just emotional-based. Because our logic tells us one thing and our emotion tells the other. And they're used to leaning on the logic. They trust it. They, they've they used it their whole lives. And so they believe their own bullshit. Like they could take it to the bank like a check. Do you know what I mean? So they're more stubborn about it. Because logically, of course, you shouldn't be afraid of the dark. Right? But when it's more emotionally based, then it's like, I don't know. It's just what I'm feeling.
1: Uh- Is there a type of person who is more susceptible to this sort of thing, or does it just run the gamut?
0: It runs the gamut, but like I said, for people who are a little bit more logical, oftentimes it gets stuffed, uh, you know, uh, logic tells them that it's... They should be over it, or if it's not a big deal. So I would, I would say that people who are a little bit more cognitive sometimes, like I said, struggle with it a little bit more. And as as California as it sounds, I you know, ooh, you need to lean into your feelings and feel the feels. It's it's kind of true when it comes to stuff like this.
1: <laughs> um, if if I'm hearing you today on this episode, and I'm I'm trying to diagnose myself based on what I've heard today so I can determine whether or not this is going to be an issue for me. Um, How should I take this information and use it?
0: If if, If it's impacted your functioning in some way, if it impacts the way you are or who you are in the world, if it impacts your friends or your work or your love life or your sense of self, then I would take it seriously and honor it.
1: Well, let me use an example. Let's say I'm, I'm this shy person. Um, I, I, I don't make friends easily. Uh, I don't like being in situations with, where people are there who I, I don't know, uh, don't like crowds, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably comfortable being where I am. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get hurt as long as I keep living my life this way. So do I really want to seek help at this point and and overcome this?
0: If you know what if if you've honestly chosen that you are comfortable and happy and you're you're honoring those wounds by the way and you're okay with it? then I say muzzle top. Then I say, you know what I mean? Because the truth is, is that we're human beings and we've got, we're all kinds of fucked up. We are, we're human beings. And sometimes we need to honor those things and know what's important to us and what's not important to us, right? Like that's there's a, on the list of priorities, is that something being a social person when you don't feel like you're a social person, is that something that you prioritize? Or- is it is it really not? And you figured out how to have a really deeply satisfying life.
1: What percentage of your practice deals with that particular issue, complex trauma?
0: I would say much more than, than is realized. I, I think a lot. I think that we are, as human beings, we experience small traumas and big traumas and And because we are trying so hard to be so tough-skinned and get it all done and be everything to everyone all the time, every day, we leave them undone and exposed and infected oftentimes. So I think a huge portion of human beings have experienced it.
1: It it sounds like that complex trauma can lead to so many other issues uh, within a relationship that it, it may be a a starting point for something that could be more significant later on in, in, in a couple's relationship.
0: Oh yeah. And imagine taking that even one step further. You've, you've never dealt with your complex trauma. You know, the world is a scary place and bad things happen and all of this. And now you have children and you teach them that the world is a scary place and bad things happen. And they teach their children that the world is a scary place. I mean, it's, it's, the ripple effect is massive.
1: You bring up something interesting when, you, when you're when you talking about um, parents and children. You, you began this discussion with uh, an example of um, what happens in a child-parent relationship and, and um, what happens to kids who are constantly being tra- treated in a negative fashion. So now I'm a parent. I don't want to do that to my children what should I be watching out for?
0: Yeah, you, you said you don't want to do that, right? Yeah, I don't. you don't want to do that. So don't. yes, and so recognizing this is where like that, that doing the work for yourself, whether it's therapy or coaching, it is so important, because we do teach our children, we they do as we do, not as we say, that's the reality. And, and so and we also know that we sometimes the pendulum swings the whole other way right in in my household my mother never would have sugar she was a health freak literally if i had a sweet tooth she would say have an apple so as i grew up there's candy everywhere there's literally there's candy everywhere the pendulum has swung so far back that my children don't want sugar <laughs> do you know what i mean so to recognize and and find that balance, you know, if, if your parent rejected you, like the example that we gave, knowing that you want to be more for your ch- child than you received, like this isn't to blame parents, by the way, I'm a mother, but we do the best we can with what we've got. That's the reality. And our goal is only to do a little bit better or to try to do better than what we got and know what it caused us and consciously make a difference for our children.
1: Is there any way for a parent to know if in fact they are causing trauma in their children?
0: Well, it certainly shows up, right? Look at what's happening in the world you know when and and this isn't to say that they're I mean we're doing a bad job parenting. kids do stuff and they get into stuff. but if your child, for instance, is the child who's the big bully at school and keeps getting in trouble for bullying, then it's time to take a good hard look at what's happening there and 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 rather than the embarrassment and shame and the ego that's involved, you know, and then by screaming at the child and being upset with the child because it makes you look bad as a parent, really doing a deep dive so that you can shift things and shift the direction of things.
1: Dr. Wise, to conclude, um, if if I want to find out more personally, our, our listeners, our viewers want to find out more about whether or not they are and have gone through... Uh, some sort of trauma complex or otherwise. Is there a checklist that exists mm. out there, things that people should ask themselves about their uh, their own personal history to determine whether or not this is a problem for them?
0: Yeah, that's that's a very good question. Yes, it's almost like doing your own oil and water check. You know, if there are certain behaviors, we call them quirks maybe, you know, that you have, but it's negatively impacting you or there's embarrassment or shame around it. You know, for a, a good example is body image, you know, body shaming and recognizing, oh, you never get naked in front of your partner and you don't want to have sex with the lights on and you don't, if, if you see that it's shifting your life in a direction it doesn't want, then yes, we need to do an oil and water and look and see what that is. For more information, go to our website, lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thank you for joining us.